Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. All right, good morning. Let's take our Bibles and go to the book of Psalms. But before we do that, let's go to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6. And uh, I was thinking about uh, the message that preached in the early service, which I'm trying to preach that message here as well. I'm beginning a series today called According to Your Word, and it, um, it kind of piggybacks on what we covered on Wednesday night, and if you weren't here Wednesday night, pfft, too bad for you. Anyway, um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Now, we, we've, been, we've been in Corinthian letters on Wednesday nights, and in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, we talked about um, where Paul says that not to think beyond what is written that is to set our minds within the boundaries of the truth of the Word of God and keep our focus there, keep our mindset there. Uh, and then 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13, it says uh, that uh, we also having the same spirit of faith as it is written, I believed and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. So we understand uh, according to what is written, we believe and therefore speak. According to what, was, what is written, we set our minds on it. All right, so our, it's our whole lives as believers, as children of God, is revolved around this wonderful word, the truth of his word. So we act according to it. We speak according to it. We believe according to it. We think according to it. And so just kind of piggybacking on that, we're coming into today where David brings up several times throughout this chapter, Psalm 119, <clears throat> I think it's like 172, 176 verses long. It's a long chapter. But several times in there, he uses the phrase, according to your word. And so we're going to see what that is, uh, what that looks like for us, how that relates to our lives, how we can get it into our lives, see the truths of it, the benefits of it, and the exercise thereof of it. But in thinking that, that we as, as believers are hanging on his word. Every, really, everything in creation is hanging on his word. It all came into being because he spoke the word, and that which was... Invisible created that which is visible. And this whole physical world is all held together by the Word of God. And so we can see then that the Word of God, when it is expressed, that we can see it actually manifest in our physical world, in our lives, see it, the, the manifestation of its truth. So that's why we have to be adamant. We have to be vigilant. We have to be diligent to keep speaking the Word of God. Because when we do, then we can experience the God kind of life. Because we're created in his image, he speaks, things happen. You speak, things happen. Your words are there to create. The secondary reason for the words we have is for communication. But number one is to create. So create your world. Speak your world. Speak into your life and, and, and let your world be framed by his word, by his promises, by his good that he wants you to experience for your life. And so knowing that, that we don't uh, deal so much in the realm as far as our relationship with God and, and how we war and this Christian fight that we have, it's not, it's not known in the realm of flesh and blood. Uh, and Ephesians 6 teaches us that. We do not wrestle with flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. So well, our enemy is not our brothers and sisters. Now, I know people can be knuckleheads, and people can do terrible and awful things, but they are not 
who we're fighting against. They are not who, ultimately there's a force behind it. Behind the evil that's expressed in the earth, there's an evil force behind it. And we just saw that in Ephesians chapter 6, those spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. So, so we don't war then in the flesh. Um, can you bring up Ephesians chapter 6 and along verse, um, let's just start in verse 10 and then we'll kind of go from there. just want to <clears throat> set us up for this message a little more so that we can understand that our, Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So it's not just physical food that sustains us. It's the word of God that sustains us ultimately. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against a, as a student at Christ for the Nations, bless his heart, said last semester, and it has continued to go around that campus. As my dad was having him read this passage in class and so he said read chapter 6 verse 11 he says put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand against the willies of the devil <laughs> poor kid I mean you can't blame him the devil gives you the willies <laughs> against the wiles of the devil so then he goes on, on to show us what that armor is it's truth it's righteousness it's salvation it's a message that we preach, our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And he talks about the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Faith, right? The shield of faith. All those things you can't see. And we also have praying in the Spirit. So he's given us ways to fight in that invisible realm through invisible words, through an invisible force called faith, the word of God and prayer. All right? So it's important for us then here on this earth as children of God and as the church of the living God that we declare his word in the earth so that we can live our lives according to that word, yeah. so that we can have our experiences according to the word of God. Yeah. All right, are you with me today? You guys are going to have to see it. Come on. All right, do I need to quote? Okay, let me just quote a scripture. I wanted to do this earlier. Uh, Revelation chapter 19, verse 11, my favorite verse of scripture when it comes to uh, my favorite football team. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. God must love the Denver Broncos. Is that right, Scott? Scott's got his Denver Broncos. So today I will not be rooting for the Cowboys. I usually do, but not today, because they're playing my Broncos. So anyway, I have scripture on it. You guys can try to find a scripture for your team, but I actually do have one. God's word gives us life. Proverbs says that it is life to those who find it and health to all of their flesh. So let's bring up Psalm chapter 119 now, verse 25. The first place we see here, it says, My soul clings to the dust. Revive me according to your word. My soul clings to the dust. Revive me according to your word. Now, we all know what the soul is. That's the realm of our mind, our will, our emotions, our attitudes, our our imaginations, all that makes up the soul. And so he's saying that my soul, my mind, my emotions, my attitude clings to the dust. Well, what is the dust? Well, what are you made of? Dust. God formed out of the dust of the ground, right? Formed man. So David said, my thoughts and my whole soul is clinging to that which is fleshly, to earthly things. 
I need you to revive me according to your word. Help me see beyond my natural situation, to think beyond my own, with, with my own ability to reason. Help me, God. Show me your thoughts. Give me your wisdom. Give me your understanding. Give me your insight here. Elevate me. Bring me up according to your word. Give me that life that your word comes to bring me. My soul's clinging to the dust. What this means is that the word of God has the power to renew one's mind. I like the word revive here. Uh, uh, the Hebrew word, it's H-A-Y-A. Uh, who, who wants to pronounce that for me? All right, anybody here do karate? Uh, David, karate. I mean, come on. Hiya! Right? That's, that's how I would pronounce it. <laughs> to live, to have life, to continue in life, this is what it means. To remain alive, to sustain life. To live on, to live prosperously. That's what he's speaking of. Revive me. Bring me to that place through your word. That is, I need my mind fixed, God. I need my mind fixed. I need my thoughts fixed. Because, you know, the scripture teaches us that, that we, uh, the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal. That is, they're not fought here. But mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Strongholds are set up in our minds many times People continue to self-sabotage because of something that happened a long time ago and they keep coming back to that same thought process and never change the way they think, therefore never change the way they act or speak. So it says to pull down those strongholds. It's not going to happen because you're wishing it away. It's, it's, it's going to happen because now your weapons are his weapons, not your weapons. You're using his power, his strength. His ability to overcome. So you can change the way you think. And then it says, how do you do that? Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. That which is arguing with truth. That which is fighting the word. Saying, no, I'm not going to argue with God anymore. Casting down imaginations or arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So you have the ability because he's given you the ability to overcome. Amen. You don't have to keep thinking those funky thoughts. You can overcome those things. Amen. Get new thoughts in your life. God has provided for you his word. And uh, I, I, you might have heard me tell this story before, but that was several years ago, the Moody Institute of Science. They, they did this, this experiment with a pilot, a test pilot, and they put him in this chair like a barber's kind of chair, and they put a blindfold on him, and they started spinning. This is an old film that, uh, I don't remember how many years ago they did this, and they started spinning that chair, and they told the pilot to, to report to them what he was sensing, what he was feeling. And so as they started spinning the chair, he said, turning right, turning right, turning right, turning right. And for a while, as they kept spinning the chair, he just kept saying, turning right, turning right. But here in a little bit, he started saying, slowing down, Getting slower, getting slower, slower still. Okay, now I've come to a complete stop. And his chair is still spinning, just like that. Took a while for the fluid in his head to catch up with the motion of the chair. But when it did, his senses told him, I'm sitting still. And they said, are you sure you're sitting still? He said, I'm sitting perfectly still. And with that, they grabbed the chair and the pilot started screaming, Turning left, turning left, turning left. There was, and he needed something outside. As a pilot, he has to have something outside of his own senses and his own realm. How can he even keep this thing up in the air? He's got this instrument panel that has several layers of redundancy 
to protect him and keep him there. There's an external objective source of information. Listen to me. God has provided for you an external objective source of information. And it is the word of God, the gauge that keeps you in the truth. It will keep you grounded. It will keep you with a sound mind. You cannot fully depend on your own thoughts and feelings because they're subjective. The scripture says to set your mind on things above. Set it on his word. It'll keep you in a right mind in very wrong situations. The word, the scripture says, is a lamp to your feet and a light into your path. It will always guide you into all truth because it is the truth. So believe that today. Believe that. Maybe today you need your stinking thinking to go away. Hmm? Get rid of that. Those thoughts that keep you captive and keep you bound to the same thing. You can control that. You can overcome that and get a new thinking patterns in your life. And that and it'll happen when you get the word of God in your mind. You set your mind. God, I don't want to cling to myself. I don't want to cling to just what I know. I don't want to cling to this flesh and its appetites. Revive me according to your word. Can you say this with me today? I have the mind of Christ. I set my mind on things above. Not on the things of this earth. So I submit my feelings, my emotions, my attitudes, and my thoughts to the Word of God. Amen. Amen. Okay, now Psalm chapter 119, verse 107. <clears throat> I am afflicted very much. Revive me, O Lord, according to your word. Another definition for this word, hayah, for revive, is it means to retrieve. I mean, I'm sorry, it doesn't say that at all. It means to revive, to be quickened from sickness, to be quickened from discouragement, to be quickened from faintness, to be quickened from death. Now, we know that truth over in Romans chapter 11. It says, but the spirit of him who raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Then he who raised up the Lord from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. He will quicken your mortal bodies. So thank God for that, that there is a resurrection coming, and when we rise, we die no more. Just like Jesus, when he rose, he dies no more. So be quickened from those things, from sickness, discouragement, from faintness. He says, I am afflicted. That word literally means depressed. There's some cousins to it, discouraged. I'm pushed down. I am, I am, I am mortified. But the main definition is to be depressed from the pressures, the difficulties of life come crashing in. So what is the word? Why is he saying revive me? Oh, in other words, what he's saying is give me rest. Give me rest in this. Give me rest from this pressure. Give me rest from these burdens. Give me rest from this laboring. Jesus said, come to me all you who labor and are weighed down with burdens and I will give you rest. Amen. You can rest in the worst kinds of circumstances because you know that his word is enough for you. Amen. You know that his word is going to carry you through. You know his word is going to see you through. You're clinging to his promise no matter what you're experiencing in your life right now. Um, I'm thinking of uh, the apostle Peter in, um, in the book of Acts chapter 12. It's an interesting story that uh, King Herod had just killed, had James killed the apostle who's John's brother had him killed and beheaded and when he saw that that pleased the people then they went and arrested Peter and I want you to look at this verse of scripture in Acts chapter 12 um, <clears throat> uh, verse 5 Peter was therefore kept in prison but 
Prayer, constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. Verse 6, and when Herod was about to bring him out, now let me ask you something. From what we know about what Herod had just done, he just had James killed, saw that pleasing people, went to get Peter, and was about to bring him out. What's he about to do to, to Peter? Right? He's about to kill him. He's about to behead him. Now Peter knows this. He knows that he's next. Watch. That night, Peter was sleeping. I don't know about you. Maybe I need to grow up spiritually and mature. But I could not see myself necessarily being that calm, knowing I'm about to lose my head. Now, my Pentecostal upbringing, I would be pacing back and forth in that prison cell, praying in tongues as loud as I could. There would not be any sleeping going on with Eric Holler if I knew my head was about to be lopped off. Come on, it's... Can anybody relate to me? Are you all just that spiritual in here? Are you all just, oh, no, I'd be asleep, brother Eric. Oh, yeah. Huh? I mean, freak out city, but what's he doing? He's asleep. Who does this guy think he is? Hey, Peter, you're about to die, man. Hmm. That makes me think some guys just have some amazing poise. This cool under pressure. You know, Dwight L. Moody was a great evangelist and Bible teacher and stuff, and he had this student run into the, he's, sit, he's sitting in a restaurant trying to enjoy his meal, and this Bible school student, God bless him, sees him in, through the window in the restaurant. So he runs in there and he says, Dr. Moody, Dr. Moody, what would you do if you knew Jesus was going to come back within the, in the next two minutes? He says, I'd do my best to finish this steak, boy. Guys are just cool under pressure. And here's Peter. He's asleep. He's asleep, fast asleep. How is he asleep? Because I know, I mean, come on, we've read about Peter. This guy is kind of all or nothing. I'll die with you, Jesus. I'll die for you. Even if all are made to stumble, I will never stumble. I don't know the man. I don't know who he is. I don't, I don't, I never, I don't know who he is. One minute, I'm, he's all in taking a sword to a guy's ear, cutting it off just to prove how committed to Jesus he is, and just a few hours later, denying he ever knew him. But now here's, here he is asleep. He's asleep. You're about to die up here. He gets some sleep. I think that maybe there's a good reason for this. Peter's learned some lessons along the way. He's walked this road with God. He's figured some things out about him. God's true to his word. God keeps his word. He's faithful to his promise. Look at this. John chapter 21. Jesus has already risen from the dead, and so now he's here restoring Peter, bringing him back in. And he's saying, walking him through this thing, he says, do you love me, Peter? Three different times he asks him. And he says, if you love me, you'll feed the sheep. In other words, you're going to care for the church, is what he's telling him. You'll prove your love for me by feeding them. But then he says, most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wish. But when you are old, everybody say, when you are old. You will stretch out your hands, and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. You will stretch out your hands. And then the next verse says, this he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God when he had spoken. Now, it's believed that, think we have on a good authority that Peter was crucified uh, for his faith. And uh, in the, the book, Fox's Book of Martyrs, you can read where Peter actually made a request to be crucified upside down because he said, I'm not worthy to be crucified like my Lord. So they, they hung him upside down and crucified him there. But knowing that he would stretch out his hands. But look, at here he is. He's in prison. 
And maybe in the midst of all that, when he could be afraid and he could be pacing the floor, praying, scared to death, God help me, please, God make a way, blah, 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 blah. He remembered something. He remembered this moment when Jesus said, when you are old. I'm not old yet. I'm not old yet. It's not time. I'll just get some sleep. I'll let God take care of this. And did God ever take care of it? Because the next thing that happened, Peter's being awoken by an angel who hits him on the side. Get up! And Peter gets up, and he's chained to two guards. As you saw, he's chained to two guards, and the chains fall off, and they just walk out together. When you have a promise from the Word of God, you'll be able to endure anything. Not just endure, but overcome. Overcome every difficulty, every challenge in your life. Anything that comes contrary to the Word of God, if you'll stand on the Word of God and grab a hold of His promise and hold on to it for dear life, you will see it come to pass, my family. Believe Him. God is faithful. Revive me according to your Word. Revive me according to your Word. And lastly, can, we, can, we, can you take one more? Cowboys don't play till 3.30 anyway. Let's say this together so we just stay out of the flesh. The Word of God is life to me and health to all my flesh. I will not be discouraged. I will not be alarmed. I will not be afraid. The Lord is my helper. The Lord is my rock. The Lord is my fortress. I will rest in His Word. All right. Does that encourage you so far? Good. All right. Let's look at one more verse and then we'll be done today. Psalm 119, verse 154. Plead my cause and redeem me. Revive me according to your word. Plead my cause and redeem me. Revive me according to your word. See, David's crying out for something that he he did not have or understand, but that you absolutely have. And hopefully you understand. David needed a mediator. Plead my, I need someone to speak on my behalf. See, when he started looking, the Lord somehow in the spirit showed David what our reality is today. And David's looking forward. And you can read in in Romans chapter 4 where the apostle Paul quotes David. He said, just as David speaks of the blessedness of those to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Blessed are those to whom the Lord does not hold against them their lawless deeds. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven, to whom the Lord will not impute sin. That's what it is. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven. Because at this time, that wasn't the reality. At that time, during his life, but your now, hallelujah, your reality is now you have a mediator. You have an advocate with the Father, someone who's speaking on your behalf today. The Scripture says he's making intercession for you. There is one God and there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Aren't you grateful to God for Jesus today? Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 34. It says, who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, watch, who also makes intercession for us. 
In other words, he's pleading your cause all the time. Uh, Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 25 <clears throat> says, Therefore he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives. Say, he always lives. All right, He always lives to make intercession for them. That is for you. Jesus has prayed for you. He pleaded your cause on that cross. When he came, when God became a man and he walked among us, all of a sudden he could understand us in a greater way. When he walked in our shoes, when he walked in this flesh, then he could truly say on that cross, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He prayed for you there, and the scripture says he is continuing to say prayers for you. It's good to know that Jesus is praying for you. Hey, how, how on your side is God? He's praying for you. He's totally on your side. And he ever lives to do it. And as long as Jesus Christ, our mediator, is seated next to God Almighty and making intercession for us. My family, we have nothing but assurance. We have nothing but hope. We have nothing but comfort. We have nothing but peace. We have nothing but help, a very present help in time of need. That's why the Bible says that we can come boldly before the throne of grace, not on our own merits, but because our high priest is praying for us. And I'm grateful to God for Jesus, the man, the God-man who's seated there, who gets me, who gets Jeremiah, who gets, well, maybe gets Maddie, but he, he, under, he understands us. He understands us that even though we throw up our bumblings and fumbling prayers, Jesus kind of repackages it for us and says, this is what they mean, Father. This is what they mean. And he helps us in our weaknesses. Paul says we don't know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself helps us, makes intercession for us. God is so on your side that he's making intercession for you, that we have a mediator. The scripture says, hey, if we, well, I write these things to you, John said it, that, that you may not sin, but if, if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Yeah. Hallelujah. Even concerning your failures, your sins, your faults, Jesus is your advocate. Blood has been shed. The work is finished. And so now, God would be unjust to hold your sins against you. He can't do it now. Because he poured out all his wrath on his son. The only right thing to do is to forgive. That's the just thing. He's faithful and just to forgive. Think about it. He's not merciful to forgive. He's just to forgive. In other words, it's the right thing to do because of what Jesus did. It's only right now that God forgives you. Thank you. Woo, I'm grateful to God. Right. He's always going to do the right thing. Yeah. That means you're always forgiven. Yeah. Thank you. We have an intercessor. We do not have a high priest who cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Oh, he understands us. He was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly. Let us therefore come. Can you just say this with me? Thank you, Jesus, for speaking on my behalf. I am not alone. I have an advocate with the Father. Jesus is pleading my cause. I will not strive to defend myself. He's my defense. Amen and amen. Jesus said, it is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you. Our spirit 
and they are life. Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you, Lord, for this lovely, lovely group of people here that you've assembled here at One Cause Church. And those who are uh, with us by way of our live stream and those listening by podcast, I thank you, Father God, for great grace to be upon them. Thank you that we're sin abounded, grace much more abounded. Thank you that it's by your own mercy that you saved us, not by works of righteousness that we have done. Oh, Lord, we were so far away in ever accomplishing that. But you saved us. You called us. You justified us. You glorified us. Thank you for that. Thank you, Lord, that you're on our side today, making intercession for us. Thank you, Lord, that you've given us your word to get it into our hearts and our minds and our mouths, God, so that we don't cling to just what we know in the natural but we cling fully to your promise. Thank you, Father God, that you are not a man that you should lie nor the son of man that you should repent. Have you said it? Shall you not do it? Have you spoken it? And shall you not make it good? Thank you, Lord. You watch over your word to perform it. You're faithful to your promise. Even when we are faithless, you remain faithful. May we be like Abraham who become fully persuaded that you who promised are able to perform what you promised. Thank you, Lord, that we live our life, our experiences in this world would be according to your word in the name of Jesus. Life and that more abundantly, health and wholeness, blessing upon blessing, increase in every way in Jesus' name, restoration abounding and healing and reviving according to your word. Continual reviving according to your word. Let it be to me, as Mary said, let it be to me, according to your word. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for meeting needs here today, according to your word. Grab a hold of his word. Grab a hold of his promise. Whatever your need is, there's an answer for it in a promise. God has made a promise for everything that pertains to us. And the scripture says he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Okay? So search the scriptures. Search them, because God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Amen. Believe his word today and live your life accordingly. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.